Chapter One of Mimikado Jewel by Fergus Hume. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter One A Mysterious Mission. From the main thoroughfare of Bayswater, where the shops display their goods and the tides of life run strongly, Crook Street extends its long line of ugly dwellings to a considerable distance its shape suggests a shepherd's crook hence undoubtedly the name as it finally terminates in a curved cul-de-sac the end of which is blocked by number one hundred and eleven this is an imposing if somewhat dilapidated mansion standing in its own limited grounds which are surrounded by a high crumbling wall of brick more or less overgrown with grimy ivy there is a small front garden planted with stunted shrubs a narrow passage on either side of the house screened midway by green-painted trellis-work and at the back a worn-out lawn dominated by a funereal cedar beneath this through rain and sunshine is a rustic table and a rustic seat where the boarders have afternoon tea in summer-time everywhere there is a feeling of dampness the mansion is of georgian architecture square and heavy greatly in need of a coat of paint which it has not received for years with its discoloured surface once white its cheap stucco scaling off in leprous patches its trails of moss and soot never to be washed off by any rain however violent it looks a tumble-down ruinous sort of dwelling or as an imaginative boarder once suggested it is like a derelict hulk stranded in a stagnant backwater of life's mighty river it is certainly doleful and infinitely dreary only securing inhabitants by reason of the unusually cheap board and lodging to be obtained under its weather-worn roof mrs sellers who rented this sad suburban dwelling euphoniously called it the home of art and in a seductive advertisement invited any male or female connected with music literature painting poetry and more particularly with the drama to enjoy the refinements of an aesthetic abode at the moderate cost of twenty shillings a week inclusive as the house was shabbily comfortable and its mistress was a retired actress of cheery manners still indirectly connected with the stage the bedrooms of the home of art were generally occupied by youths and maidens ambitious of renown there were very few really old people as mrs sellers although elderly herself did not care for the agent who had no future but loved to gather the young and aspiring round her hospitable table and that same table truly deserved the kindly term for the slatternly good-natured woman supplied far better food in larger quantities than the rate of payment allowed indeed it is questionable if mrs sellers made any profit whatsoever as nearly all the boarders were juvenile and hungry but what they paid together with the landlady's small private income kept things going in a happy-go-lucky fashion which was all that was necessary the children as mrs sellers called her boarders adored ma as the boarders called mrs sellers and with good reason 
for she gave one and all largely what money could not buy she advised she sympathized she nursed she scolded and to her the children came with their troubles great and small for aid and consolation it was no wonder that with such a blessed helper of humanity the ruinous old suburban boarding-house was usually filled to its greatest capacity but full as the home of art was last november on one night of that foggy month it was empty from seven o'clock until midnight of all the boarders a third-floor lodger the lean youth with bright and bird-like eyes had not only written a play which ma pronounced magnificent but the same was to be produced on this very evening at a suburban theatre of course this was a red-letter day or rather night at the home of art and equally of course mrs sellers led forth her children to occupy boxes and stalls and pit and dress circle on the great occasion by her advice the friends of the playwright were thus fairly distributed throughout the house so that they might applaud vehemently at the right moment and stir up the public to enthusiasm even the cook and the parlour-maid the housemaid and a decayed butler who had fallen through drink from mayfair to bayswater put on their best clothes and departed for the night's entertainment already the supper and a very good supper too was laid out in the shabby dining-room and would be eaten at midnight by the boarders when they returned with ma and the successful playwright and assuredly he would be successful no one had any doubt on that point for mrs sellers had long since infected all her lodgers with her constant optimism with ma as the head of the house the atmosphere could scarcely fail to be cheerful even debts duns difficulties disappointments and suspense could not and never did damp the hopeful spirits of the little community and ma with her unfailing good humour and helpful nature was responsible for this happy state of affairs when the occupants of the home of art departed for the curtain theatre two people remaining behind had the entire house to themselves one was mrs pentreddle who had sprained her ankle on the previous day and could not leave the sofa on which she lay in the drawing-room with any degree of comfort and the other was patricia carroll the out-of-work irish governess who had arranged to stop and look after the old lady and mrs pentreddle was really old being not far short of sixty she was the landlady's sister who had come up from devonshire on a visit six days before the exodus to the theatre a tall gaunt grim woman wholly unlike mrs sellers in looks and disposition no one would have believed the two women to be sisters had not the relationship been vouched for by ma herself martha never was like me said mrs sellers when her boarders commented on the dissimilarity always as heavy as i was light comedy and tragedy our pa called us in the old days not that martha ever had any turn for the stage it was only pa's way of talking martha's a killjoy poor dear as her late husband was drowned at sea and her only child's a sailor also who likewise may find his grave in the vast and wandering deep she's housekeeper to squire colpster of beckley in devonshire and knows more about managing servants than i've ever forgotten and as usual she finished with her jolly laugh 
mrs pentreddle certainly was no favourite with the boarders as her lean and anxious wrinkled and pallid face her hard black eyes and melancholy dark garments impressed them unpleasantly she spoke very little but constantly maintained a watchful attitude as though she was expecting something to happen or someone to tap her on her shoulder as a rule she kept to mrs sellers private sitting-room which pleased everyone as the dour woman was such a wet blanket but on the night of the play she insisted upon being carried down to the drawing-room in spite of the sprained ankle which should have kept her in bed mrs sellers remonstrated but the sister from devonshire had her own way saying that the first floor was preferable to the second as it was less dismal and more comfortable one would think that martha expected something to happen said cheerful mrs sellers when she set out for the theatre with her train and was afraid to be too far away from the nearest policeman this remark was afterwards remembered when something did happen as emblematic of ma's prophetic powers the drawing-room was a large apartment with a fireplace at one end and a door leading from the hall at the other one side was taken up by the windows heavily curtained and the other by large folding doors usually closed which gave admission to the dining-room outside a narrow iron-railed balcony ran in front of the three windows from the entrance door to the corner of the house and below this was the basement within the room was fairly comfortable in a shabby slatternly sort of way although overcrowded with furniture of the albert period which had been picked up at various sales indeed the entire room was furnished with the flotsam and jetsam of auction-room derelicts of prosperous days in the drawing-room were rep-covered chairs two horsehair sofas several round tables each poised on its shaky leg fender stools berlin wool screens a glittering glass chandelier and on either side of the handsome marble timepiece which stood on the mantel-shelf antique green ornaments with dangling prisms of glass the walls were covered with faded scarlet flock paper the floor with a worn red carpet bestrewn with bunches of poppies mingled with wheat ears and the three windows were draped with stained ragged crimson curtains of rich brocade mrs sellers was very proud of those gorgeous curtains but they were distinctly out of date a matter of indifference to those who occupied the home of art in spite of its name one of the horsehair sofas had been drawn to the fire and mrs pentreddle lay thereon with her hard black eyes fixed on the leaping flames outside the night was chilly and damp the air was thick with fog and even in the drawing-room could be heard the dripping of water from the ivy clothing the surrounding wall in spite of its being in london the house was markedly isolated and only occasionally did a policeman venture down the curved cul-de-sac but within all was shabbily warm and comfortable and mrs pentreddle's grim face relaxed into more pleasant lines nothing could be heard but the dripping of the water the ticking of the clock and the occasional fall of a morsel of coal from the gate but shortly the almost silence became oppressive and mrs pentreddle spoke in her harsh voice it's very kind of you to stay with me miss carroll she said glancing sideways at her companion 
few young ladies would do that when a theatre treat is offered to them the girl addressed raised her eyes from the evening paper which she had been reading and smiled patricia carroll's smile was delightful and displayed such white teeth that her beauty was enhanced but even when her face was in repose she looked an extremely pretty girl and was one of those richly coloured irish brunettes who remind the observer of a peach ripening against a mellow brick wall her hair was bluish black of a wavy quality which lent itself admirably to the style of coiffure which she affected and her eyes were sea-blue of that wonderful irish tint which goes so well with dark tresses her admirable figure was clothed plainly but tastefully in a prussian blue serge dress perfectly cut and worn with a charming natural grace her hands and feet were slim and aristocratic and her whole air was one of repose and good breeding she was a flower of civilization and should have bloomed amidst more fitting surroundings than the shabby drawing-room could afford yet she was only a poor little governess seeking for employment and even when mrs pentreddle spoke to her she had been searching the columns of the newspaper in the hope of finding a situation oh i am very pleased to stay with you mrs pentreddle she said with her charming smile i have too many troubles to care about going to a play i would only take them with me and then would scarcely enjoy the performance that is true replied the elder woman examining the girl closely and yet you should have no troubles at your age and with your looks patricia coloured and shook her head my looks are really against me she said somewhat sadly ladies don't like to engage me on that account if i were ugly and old i should be better able to get what i want what do you want miss carroll asked mrs pentreddle abruptly fifty pounds a year as a nursery governess if i can get it replied the girl promptly or even thirty so long as i can get a situation if it were not for dear count mrs Suthers, i don't think i could hold out she's an angel and lets me stay here for ten shillings a week until i can get something to do bless her how did you come to this asked mrs pentreddle still abruptly miss carroll coloured for she did not like to whimper about her misfortunes to strangers it's a long story she said evasively all you need to know is that my father was a colonel in the army and that when he died his pension ceased and i was left penniless but i have had a good education and i hope to get a situation as a governess won't your friends assist you i have no friends said the girl simply when i left the world i was brought up in i left my friends for ever i don't think so you will go back to them some day said mrs pentreddle encouragingly although the expression of her iron face did not soften but meanwhile if you wish to earn a five-pound note she hesitated the newspaper slipped from patricia's lap to the ground and she looked surprised i don't understand if you will do an errand for me i will give you five pounds oh i can do an errand for you without taking money i don't ask you to this is a rather dangerous errand but i think you are brave and i know that you are hard up patricia interrupted i have enough money to go on with she said flushing 
at ten shillings a week retorted mrs pentreddle unpleasantly well please yourself she turned over on the sofa i have given you the chance miss carroll thought hard during the silence which ensued certainly in her pauper condition five pounds would be a godsend and as she had determined to lay aside all pride when she gave up the position to which her birth entitled her she considered that she might as well take what she could get at this difficult stage of her fortunes for five pounds she would do much but is the errand an honest one she asked suddenly with a catch in her voice the thought had just struck her perfectly honest said mrs pentreddle coldly what is there about me that you should think me capable of asking you to do something wrong nothing at all confessed miss carroll frankly but if you wish me to go on a mysterious errand it is only natural that i should desire to hear everything about it mrs pentreddle carefully lowered her injured foot to the ground and sitting up very straight folded two thin hands on her lap you shall hear said she quietly only i must request you to keep your own counsel patricia nodded that goes without the saying was her answer and she again wondered if the five pounds could be earned honestly i came up to london to go on this errand myself explained the old lady slowly but the sprain has prevented my keeping an appointment which must be kept to-night as the matter is important i am willing to pay you the money on your return with it it what is it a small deal box you can easily carry in your hand a man will give it to you if you will stand at nine o'clock by the right-hand corner of that bridge which crosses the serpentine on this side remember before you cross the bridge nine o'clock and you must hold this she fished among the cushions of the sofa and produced a small bull's-eye lantern the glass of which was pasted over with red paper this is the signal the signal echoed miss carroll rather nervously for all this mystery did indeed hint at something criminal oh you needn't turn so white said mrs pentreddle scornfully what i ask you to do is perfectly straightforward there is nothing wrong about it patricia still hesitated vaguely afraid to be implicated in such unusual doings if you will explain further mrs pentreddle there is nothing more need to be explained just now interrupted the other woman imperiously when you return with the box you shall know all what i am requesting you to do can harm no one but can benefit someone yourself no that is in a way perhaps but you can judge for yourself when i am able to tell you my reason that will be when you return if five pounds is not sufficient i can give you ten although i can ill afford it i am satisfied with five said patricia quickly and flushing again for even in her poverty she shrank from taking money i don't like mysteries and only accept your offer as i need money very badly but for all the wealth in the world i would not go if i thought that there was anything wrong and she looked searchingly at her companion how many times do you need me to assure you that there is nothing wrong said mrs pentreddle 
impatiently you are singularly suspicious for a girl of your years all that is necessary is for you to receive this tiny box from the man who will hand it to you how shall i know the man there is no need for you to know him at all the red light of the lantern will assure him that you are the person who is to receive the box well miss carroll rose nervously and ran her fingers through her hair as she walked up and down the long room her instinct told her to refuse a mission about which she knew so little but the prospect of earning five pounds in this easy manner was so alluring that she could not find it in her heart to decline after all mrs pentreddle was the sister of the woman who had been and was so kind to her and in every way appeared to be an almost aggressively respectable person it was worth risking she thought and at this moment as though to clinch the matter mrs pentreddle's voice broke in on her uneasy meditations i can't wait much longer said the old woman if you won't do what i ask perhaps you will telephone to the nearest office asking that a messenger boy may be sent to get what i want it will certainly be cheaper this proposal banished patricia's last scruple as if a messenger boy could be employed the errand mysterious as it seemed could not have anything to do with criminal matters miss carroll picked up the lantern with its faked red glass i shall go at once she declared hurriedly for now she feared lest she should lose the money but who will attend to your foot while i am away mrs pentreddle i can stay here as i am doing rest is the sole thing which can cure my sprain you will only be away an hour more or less it is a quarter past eight now and the distance to the serpentine bridge is not far nine o'clock is the hour you know exactly what you have to do and she repeated her instructions to which the girl listened carefully i am to show the red light standing on this side of the serpentine at the right-hand corner of the bridge she said slowly to be sure that she knew what she had to do i understand what shall i say to the man nothing he will simply place a box in your hand and walk away all you have to do is to bring the box to me and then you shall know all about the matter which strikes you as being so strange don't lose any time please indeed there was no time to be lost as it would take patricia some minutes to get her out-of-door things on she ran up the stairs and assumed boots in place of slippers a heavy cloak as the night was damp a plain cloth toque and gloves she then took her umbrella in one hand the lantern unlighted in the other and descended to say a few last words to mrs pentreddle or rather to hear them for the old lady gave her no opportunity of speaking for such a grim unemotional woman mrs pentreddle seemed quite excited although she tried to keep herself calm but a vivid spot of red was certainly showing itself on either pale cheek show the red light and wait in silence she directed do nothing more and say nothing at all then when you receive the box come back with it at once to me you thoroughly understand i thoroughly understand i am glad finally let me assure you once more that, that there is nothing dishonest or even wrong about the errand i am sending you on there was nothing more to be said and patricia departed when she closed the front door of the home of art and found herself in the street 
she became aware that the night was damp and dense with fog the gaslights however shone blurred and vague through the white mists so there was no need for her to use the lantern no one was about not even a policeman in the curve of the cul-de-sac at all events but when she passed into the straight line of crook street she almost fell into the arms of a constable who was standing under a lamp patricia paused to ask a question will the fog get worse officer i think it will miss said the man touching his helmet and bending to look at her face i should advise you not to go far i am only going to the park to see a friend answered miss carroll heedlessly and then remembering that it was a complete stranger whom she had to see and one to whom she was not even to speak she regretted having been so doubtfully truthful what is the time she asked to cover her confusion half past eight o'clock miss said the constable consulting a fat silver watch best go home again miss you might get lost in this fog and in the park there are some rough characters about oh i am all right thank you said patricia with a bright smile and passed along all the same she now began to feel uncomfortable and to realize that hyde park on a foggy november night was not exactly the place for a young lady only the desire to earn the coveted five pounds nerved her to do that which she had agreed to do crook street is not far from the main entrance to the park on the bayswater side and as the fog grew thin further on patricia found herself speedily on the broad path which leads directly to the serpentine bridge she knew this portion of the park extremely well as having much time on her hands she frequently wandered about the grassy spaces on idle afternoons there were few people about as the night was so disagreeable and those she saw moved swiftly past her occasionally she caught a glimpse of vague forms under the trees but she never looked closely at these night prowlers but keeping in the middle of the path moved steadily to her destination at last she came to the bridge and took up her station at the right-hand corner on this near side having come to the end of her journey she lighted the lantern across the water the broad bridge stretched weirdly vanishing into the fog which here grew denser like the bridge of life and the vision of mirza patricia had read addison's fantastic story in some school-book and it was suggested to her again by the sight before her people came out of the mist and disappeared into it again some passed unconscious of the quiet figure at the corner while others peered into her face but no one addressed her much to her relief and the ruddy light of her lantern shone like an angry star then the expected happened in one moment and quite without preparation a man came swiftly over the bridge so swiftly that it might have been said that he was running she had no time to see what he was like in looks or how he was dressed before he got sight of the red light and stopped for one moment to thrust a small box into her hand then he darted away to the left and disappeared along the bank on the bayswater side that was all End of chapter one